Like most of human history, this show is filled with coarse language, is totally filthy, and is absolutely unfit for children. Listener discretion is advised. You picked up every single cup, (laughs) and then you found out that you could name items, and so you started naming every single cup. Why? Why not? Because he was like, don't pick up the cup. And I was like, ooh, another cup! And I, like, put it in my bag. Then she found out she could get property, and she's like, you mean I have a house, and I can just fill it with cups? (laughs) Didn't someone do that? Isn't there a video, like, a guy who filled his entire house with, like, literally so many cheese wheels you couldn't move? (laughs) Like, if you opened the door, it was, you spawned into... It's an um, actual trap. It was literally, you would go into the house, and you couldn't see anything but cheese wheels. Oh my god. Like, I think it crashed his game. I think that's Britney's dream. It is, I know, it is my dream. Well, no, it's great. You just have an entire house made out of cheese, and you eat your way from room to room. Oh, stop. It's like the Russian accent. Uh, God, people just talk about cheese, and I just start dripping. All right, everybody. Um... So this that, is, uh, welcome to Drunk Thunks. I am Michael. I'm Brittany. And I'm Jake. Hey. And this is a podcast where we, uh, get together, share drinks, and tell crazy stories from history. And, uh, tonight, Jake, I believe you are the one starting things off. I am. So, um, no, tonight... It's de- no, it's definitely me. Let me just... You know, like, we tried to do things good around here, and <laughs> despite our best efforts, um... You ruin it every time. This is this is the point at which I have just given up. I sit back and I watch what you two do. We're, we're four episodes in. And I realize that I'm just going to have to steer retroactively as opposed to proactively. Yeah, it's fine. Um, anyway, tonight we're talking about a guy. Um, so, Michael, uh, Brittany, I want to propose something here. All right. I want to do a classification of historical characters, people who aren't historical villains in the sense that like Hitler or Stalin or... Julius Caesar are. You've lined up a heck of a group there. You know, um, people who aren't, like, evil, but who we, as uh, hosts of the show, hate truly and deeply. Oh, just the like, worst people. Yeah, like the Drunk Thunk's Public Enemies list. Ooh, okay. Okay, and this. for that, I would like to propose this guy be the first uh, member of the Drunk Thunk's Public Enemies list. I would like to talk about Cato the Younger tonight. Uh. Um... What do you think about Cato the Younger? Brittany, I'm curious. Brittany sips, and she looks, and she sets it down. Okay, so, um, Marcus, or Marcus Porcius Cato the Younger. I'm sorry. Marcus Porcius? Marcus Porcius? Marcus Porcius? Here's the thing. What I found is... Uh, Latin, as I understand it, uses hard C's. It does use hard C's. So, how else would you say that? Marcus Porcius Catus. (laughs) I mean, the point is, I'm doing the best I can. I would also say, um, there's a right way and a wrong way to mispronounce, uh, Latin. 
Yeah. So we're just going to have to deal with that. Well, after, I'm fine with mispronouncing it this way. Yeah, after after taking Latin in high school, it was just... It's it's an insufferable language speaking to be spoken why, by an insufferable I, people. I don't know why my mom didn't just like shut that shit down as soon as I was like, I want to take Latin sophomore year. <laughs> no, that's a good idea. No, you'll use Latin. That's a smart investment in your future. So anyway, uh, Marcus Borges Cato... To all I, of our listeners that know and love Latin... Um, I'd advise you to tell us whether we're pronouncing it correctly. We won't change it, probably, because it's hilarious, but we'd like to know. No, hey, because we love when Jake looks like a bumbling idiot. Um, you didn't even know who the man was. No, I have too many other yeah. things to do. Um, fuck you. Um, <laughs> also, I'm also going to be frank here. I'm going to probably use both pronunciations interchangeably, so um, I don't know. Because, Sorry in advance. Because he's a bumbling idiot. So... Slap you. <laughs> so, uh, Cato the Younger is a Roman statesman of the late Republic and a very famous Stoic. He's also just famously the fucking worst. Oh, we'll get to it. He is also if you, if his um the busts of him are to be believed, oh. he has oh. the biggest goofiest Dumbo fucking ears I've ever seen. Look at him. <laughs> Look at his ears. Herds of elephants could use them for shade. Oh, man. He looks so sad about it, too. He looks it's like, like a, he knows. Uh, basically, he's this butt-sucking nerd. <laughs> That's accurate. Who, uh, as historian Tom Holland put it, he made a fashion out of despising fashion. He would forego luxury and comfort at every turn. He would refuse to ride a horse, uh, avoid eating fine food, and would sometimes refuse to wear footwear. Oh, There's actually a great quote uh. from Tom Holland on him. If there was more than a hint of affectation about it, this, then it was also the expression of a profoundly held moral purpose, an oh. incorruptibility and inner strength that the Romans still longed to identify with themselves, but rather assumed was confined to the history books. He is the guy who, in the modern day, like New York, walks around and kind of acts like a cowboy from the 1800s, because that's his ideal of uh, manliness. Basically, Brittany, to sum him up, He's the guy that loves his own farts, not because they smell, but became, because they came out of his own asshole. He's like, I did that. Yes. Like, um, <laughs> oh, also, just for the sources, I'm using Plutarch's Cato the Younger and Tom Holland's Rubicon. Um, I know it's not him, but every time you say Tom Holland, I'm like... I, I know, you think Spider-Man. Every time. I know, because um, you're Marvel trash, honey. I'm a whore. <laughs> yes. Um, Rubicon is fantastic. Plutarch's Cato the Younger, in my opinion, was insufferable. Uh, Plutarch... <laughs> Honestly, he wrote about Cato like he had a crush on him. And the, frankly, the only reason why I used him is he had access to sources that we no longer have access to. Otherwise, uh, going through Plutarch was an exercise in annoyance, and I wouldn't recommend it unless you're just a big fan of self-flagellation. So, <laughs> uh, the other great Cato quote, by the way, or quote about Cato, is from Cicero, his contemporary, who said, and I love this, quote, Cato gives his opinions as if he were in Ro uh, Plato's Republic, not Romulus' shithole. Damn, son! <laughs> Which is how we should, I vote, we should refer to Rome as Romulus' shithole forever now. Because it's, god, that's such a good quote. Um, by the way, just really quickly to get back to Clutark, I would say... Clutark? What did I say? You said Clutark. Well, I should get a clue. He, um, uh, you did this earlier. No, it's okay. I'm, I'm the one who's a bumbling idiot who no. can't pronounce anything. My mouth is made out of mush a lot you of know, times. We were in the I'd car. like to apologize to everyone. Yeah, we were in the car and we were trying to sing Bohemian Rhapsody. And he goes, um, Clot in a Clance Clyde. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> 
When I have a like a really horrible stroke a couple of days from now, you all are gonna feel terrible for making fun of me. <laughs> I won't. Yeah, no, I won't care. But I was gonna say, Plutarch is essentially like the James Lipton of the Roman Empire. It's like inside the actor's studio where he's falling over himself to compliment yeah. whoever he's talking to. Well, the thing to remember with Plutarch is he's writing to uh, Clu- Clutark. Yes, Plutarch. Um he is basically writing a bunch of biographies that are supposed to remind the people of his day of all these great figures of the past and look how moral and just they were and see, you should be like them. So everything he writes is he's basically purposely glorifying these people from the past. And he does that to Cato, and it comes across as he's just desperately wishing Cato Senpai would notice him. God, it's really insufferable. Senpai... So anyway, um, Cato is was known for his integrity, his incorruptibility, and his loyalty to the Republic. He had no real vices except for wine, and who can really blame him for that? He says swigging an entire wine bottle. I thought he, I had to get into character really for tonight's episode. You were gonna say that his vice was. Pros. I would also say that his other vice, which goes unrecorded by Plutarch, was the smell of his own ball sack. Yes. I, I, I would think so. he was going to say so. either that or just some sweet, sweet puss. Oh, well, I don't think probably he Probably not. I think I think to have sex, he had to put, like, a copy of Roman law over the woman's face and be like, shut up, shut up, just shut the fuck up, let me do this. <laughs> like, I honestly kind of think that. We, we have a story about him later that I'm very excited to get to. Oh. But, I'm pretty sure that rather than actually, you know, having sex with a woman... He just masturbated furiously to the idea of rejecting sex with a woman. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, he probably did. Oh, yikes. So, um, basically, despite all these uh, virtues, technically, Cato should be, uh, like, what I want out of a politician. Scrupulously honest, incorruptible... All this stuff, despite all of this, he's a huge fucking prick. Michael, you described him really well. You said he's the villain from every John Hughes movie. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's great. Like, how dislikable do you have to be to be the staunch defender of Republican government and still be hated? Like, say whatever you will about Julius Caesar. Yeah. You could have a beer with Julius Caesar and probably have a great time. I will say that everything that I have ever read... He has his own salad. Everything that I have ever read by Cato, I have on principle agreed with. And just listening to Cato say it makes me kind of want to overthrow the government. Yeah. He's just the worst. Um, So I have my personal beef with Cato. I'm going to talk about a few of them, but my big one is um, I dislike him because Cato is defending the late Roman Republic. And we're not going to get super into it because... That's a topic for people who really know what they're talking about, i.e. not the drunken ramblings of me. But part of that means is he's not just defending that Republican government from attempts to overthrow it. He's also defending it from attempts to fix it. Like, Cato is staunchly defending the status quo, and the status quo by his day uh, was absolutely untenable. It's true. And it's very annoying to me. Because he's thinking, like, um, like if it ain't broke, don't fix it, kind of but thing. It, but it's so obviously he broke, broke it, by that yeah. time. I mean, this... But he's like, oh, If it okay. benefits me, don't fix it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we'll go into this. Ugh, um, men. Jeez. So, Cato is descended from... He's called Cato the Younger because he, he's descended from a man called Cato the Elder. Cato the Elder is a very famous figure from Roman history. He became famous before the Third Punic War, a topic that we aren't going to discuss ever, according to you. Oh my god. Because it's really sad. It's just, it's... It's very sad. We gotta get better at being funny. Yeah, honestly. 
Um, yeah, Jake, so ba- it up. Nah, fuck you. Um, so basically, Cato the Elder uh, was <clears throat> very famous for ending every speech he gave before the Third Punic War uh, with, and furthermore, I am of the opinion that Carthage should be destroyed. Which is pretty badass. It's pretty great, but like, he would li- huh. I'm not joking when I say every speech he would be in it. He would be giving a speech about investing money and reforming, like, or rebuilding <laughs> road, Rome's roads. Or like, hey, this bill would, you know, give more funding to the sewer system. And furthermore, I am of the opinion that Carthage should be destroyed. And we it need would be eggs, like- milk, cheese, <laughs> and furthermore, Carthage should be destroyed. And yes. you should tell the clerk that before you leave. Yes. That's a- like, if honestly, ever, that. If I ever became a celebrity and won some kind of award at my acceptance speech, just like, thank you. Like, I couldn't have done it without my mom and my yeah. boyfriend and all that. <laughs> and also, furthermore... Um, fuck Johnny Depp. Yeah. It would, <laughs> it would be like, every time we talk about something, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I could go out, we could do Chinese, it'd be great. Oh, and furthermore, I'm of the opinion that we should take this wine bottle and go in the other room and beat Dan to death with it. <laughs> yes. Like, it's honestly that. It's, I mean, and he, the way he used it, occasionally it would be like, uh, Kanye West interrupting Taylor Swift. And, oh, God. Yeah, I mean, really, like, he'd be like, I'm gonna let you finish, I'm gonna let you finish, but before you do, we all should know that Carthage should be destroyed. Yeah, and that eventually... Was ten te- years ago. Ugh. More beer. We're on. No. Um... <laughs> So anyway, yeah, that is kind of his family's claim to fame. Uh, by the time Cato the Younger's around, it's it's about a hundred years, roughly, I'd say. Basically, Cato's parents had died. He was raised in the household of a guy named Marcus <laughs> Livius Drusus, uh, who was his uncle. There was also his uh, sister Portia or Porcia. Again, I don't. Portia is the correct pronunciation. Portia, it is okay. That I'm sure of. Okay, Not I don't. I don't to, speak Latin. I don't know how it would have been pronounced in the Latin because, again, I'm pretty positive that they didn't have soft C's. Again, if you know Latin, let us know. But from my reading of Shakespeare, I know that it's pronounced Portia. Yeah, I mean, I know how it's like the modern pronunciation. I don't know if it's correct. Right. Where is it on here? P o r c i a. Again, I really hope it's Portia because Portia is. God awful. Downright unfortunate. But I mean, that's how it's technically correct. Like, you don't say Caesar, you s- you're supposed to say Kaiser. Right. I hope that every time Portia leaves the room, she goes, that's all, folks. I hope that every time Portia leaves the room, she says, and furthermore, Carthage. And people are like, Carthage was destroyed like a hundred years ago. Get over it. Furthermore, Carthage is done. It's not coming back. Or no, Carthage isn't going to be a thing anymore. Stop trying to make it a thing. Yeah, right. She even go here. You see that she's got little miniatures in her room, and she goes in every night with a bag of salt before she goes to bed and just... Yeah. Um, He also had his half-brother, Caipio... And his half-sister, Servilla Major and Servilla Minor, they're really not going to be a big thing in it. Caipio, Cato is like, he's a bit of a weird bitch with his brother. There's a story from Plutarch where someone asks him, who do you love the most? And he said, my brother. Okay, who do you love next most? My brother. Who do you love most after that? My brother. And he kept doing that, like some kind of fucking weird dweeb. I keep picturing them as like the McPoyles from yeah. It's Always yeah. Sunny. They're where they're like, like we just finished a shower. It's like, wait, we? Like, <laughs> they just like, they're just like covered oh, in Oh, but milk. that is kind of just like that's loving, the... loving your weird traditions for the sake of loving your weird traditions is a very Cato way of looking at the world. It really is. So anyway. Uh, oh, it's also just a really dickish, stupid way to like just dick around with someone for the sake of doing it. 
Which is also something Katie would do. Yes. Who's your favorite person? My brother. Who's your second favorite person? My, My brother. brother. Shut the fuck up, Kato. He is the de- worst. There is no reason. that kid that's like, like, why are you doing that? Because I have to. Why? Yeah, because he is He is the kid. Because honest, it's on my list of things to do. Why? He th- and he does it because he thinks he's smarter than you. He's like this fucking annoying kid who lives in my neighborhood and won't leave us alone. Every time we go outside, he comes up and like, Hi, where's your cat? I'm like, fuck off. I'm trying to take the trash out. I have dinner inside. So leave me alone, kid. He that, won't leave me alone. I'm going to be honest. I think that kid's just trying to be friendly. I don't want to be friendly. Get Jake. away from me. I don't want to be accused of being a dead Jake, that kid's been dead for 40 years. Oh. Um, <laughs> Jesus. So Marcus Livius Drusus was a uh, Roman politician. He was a big advocate for the Roman allies. And um, Drusus is Cato's uncle, right? Yes. Yeah, he is the one who's raising Cato. Um, actual uncle or like... Yes, actual Greek, uncle. Greek tragedy, like brother uncle. No, actual uncle. Okay. Um, there's a very famous story where a guy named uh, Silo, who was one of these Roman Green? allies, no, <laughs> uh, he visits Drusus and met Cato and his siblings, and he basically asks all of these kids, like, hey, you should put in a good word for us with your uncle, and they all agree except for Cato, who refuses, because even as a child, he was insufferably stubborn. And it gets to the point where Celo demands Cato's support and eventually holds him outside of a window. Oh and Cato still refuses the same thing. The one thing I will give Cato is, apart from a few times, which I'll talk about, it's not an act, at least. This is his genuine shitty personality. Yeah, yeah this is him. That's the, almost the worst thing. It's not like this is an act that he's putting on right. like to get favor. He's just an insufferable person. Yeah. Um, He's genuinely the fucking worst. Yes. So, anyway, Marcus Livius Drusus was an advocate for the rights of Italian allies, and he gets assassinated, possibly, by the Senate, because there are a lot of people in the Roman Senate who are like, wait, you mean these people who bear half the cost of our empire, including contributing people to the army, they want equal rights as Roman citizens? (laughs) Fuck that. And um, so he gets assassinated. That starts the social war, which... Eventually helps propel a man called Lucius Cornelius Sulla into the dictatorship. We will talk about Sulla. The only reason why we're not doing him now is because, frankly, I want to get good at this before we go after Sulla. (laughs) Sulla is a huge topic. Sulla is unbelievably fascinating. He's also an absolute monster. Like, he's truly terrifying, but God, he's an interesting person. Oh, I would say that a lot of... People like that, a lot of monsters like that are probably some of the most interesting. Oh, yeah. I Every time I read about Julius not, Caesar, I have to remind myself Caesar's a monster because I find myself kind of liking him because he's super interesting. He's well, just like that a, good at it. And, yeah. yeah, like a, just from like a psychological point where you're like, holy shit. That's I think you have... It's so fascinating. Yeah. Well, I think you almost have to have some type of really charm. You have to have something in your personality, I think, to get to the level in the world stage where you get to be that kind of a monster. Oh, yeah. Um, But anyway, so at the height of Sulla's dictatorship, uh, the dictator would invite Caipio and Cato to speak with him. And one day, Cato goes to uh, Sulla's house, and he sees these heads of all these prominent Romans who have been put to death by Sulla. And he asks his uh, Greek teacher, Sarpedon, why hasn't anyone killed Sulla yet? (laughs) And Sarpedon replies that the people, quote, feared him more than they hated him. To which Cato, as a 14-year-old boy, responds, 
Give me a sword, then, that I may free my country from slavery, which is intense. I mean... Damn! At 14? <laughs> at 14. At 14, and... I was, like, painting my nails in my room and crying about the Jonas Brothers. Oh, you no, know, I was a pretty intense 14-year-old. I could imagine that. You you strike me as a bit of a Cato, just I, not quite as insufferable. I Yeah, no, I probably was, though. You were a bit of a puss, though, weren't you, until, like, a certain age? <laughs> oh, yeah. When I was a little kid, I was really scared of going down the costume aisle in the Halloween store. Really? Oh, yeah, I was terrified. <laughs> well, that's what, yeah, that's what's so funny is that, like, he is really who, like, helped me branch out into, like, scary and horror movies. And yeah. I, honest to God, thought he was going to be like, yeah, I grew up on this stuff. And he was like, no, I was a big fat baby. <laughs> no, no, this is me just, like, you know, processing childhood trauma. I'm a deeply, re <laughs> deeply, deeply repressed individual. Oh, that's fun. Same. That's why I started a podcast. Um, anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, going back to the topic, uh, Sarpedon was so alarmed and actually took this, so, like, seriously uh, he, Why? Because his 14-year-old student decided well, to the threaten the dictator? Yeah. But here's the <laughs> thing, right? Like, I said dumb like... shit at 14, and people didn't take me seriously. But Sarpedon, like, saw this look in Cato's eyes. So Sarpedon was so alarmed by Cato's response that he actually um, would not leave him unwatched in Rome. Wow. That's probably a good call. I mean, considered. honestly, given the things that Cato does later in his life, yes. So anyway, really quick, um, we're not doing a deep dive into Cato the Younger. Maybe we'll do that one day. Like, I have fantasies of doing a deep dive into everyone involved with the fall of the Roman Republic, but we're not there yet. We're just here to talk about how insufferable Cato is. So I'm, is just, I'm just sitting here trying to imagine what my family... Like, just trying to imagine me saying something at age 14 and my family being like, well, it would we're going to watch her like, every day. It would be like someone, like, let's say four or five presidents down the line, not to avoid being controversial, like a kid watching the TV and seeing the then president be like, I'm going to kill that man when he comes into town. And like his family would be like, whoa, yeah, he actually might. <laughs> yeah. No, that's the thing is that this, yeah, the equivalent would be not just him saying that, but also but him sitting down in front of the TV with daddy's rifle going chink, chink. And yeah. Like, and then like the family sees him do that. I'm going to shoot that man. Yeah. No, really. That's, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, the closest thing that I can really compare it to would be like uh, during the Chilean revolution. It would mm -hmm. be the equivalent of being like, I'm going to kill that dictator. Yeah. And Pinochet. It, yeah. It yeah. would be like that. It would be, and you know, the family's like, oh, we have to get him out of here. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so we're going to fast forward through his uh, political career, or at least his early political career really quickly. So Cato would, when he was older, he would volunteer for the war against Spartacus to help out Caipio in 72 BCE, and he was, as a result of that, elected military tribune, which as far as I can tell was an elected officer position. It's pretty good as far as officer positions yeah, it's, go. As far as Rome, like climbing the ladder of Rome's political careers, it's a good step. So, yes? I was going to say, any story regarding like Roman Empire or anything Greek, I'm just like, I'm so glad names have gotten better. <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't like the Latin names? Oh, God, no. What, you don't like Sarpedon? <laughs> no, I don't like a por Porkia. Porkia? Porkia? Sarpedon sounds like just like the poster child for Slytherins. <laughs> Honestly, yes. <laughs> Sarpedon was, was, Slytherin. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, and Selah? Grandson of Salazar. Yeah. So, anyway... Um, Awful. So, uh, so, Cato was elected to command of a legion in 67 BCE... According to Plutarch, he was a popular commander. Personally, knowing his personality, I bet he was the kind of person who'd, like, 
bitch you out for your sword is hanging at an incorrect angle. It is supposed to be hanging at an exactly 45 degree angle. Like, I really think that's the kind of person he This was. is the kind of guy that would make you spit clean the latrines. Yes. Yeah, no one loved him. Your yeah. sword is hanging way too hard to the left. Honestly, that is a thing. There are, like, regulation ways to carry your sword. Oh, sure. I mean, the Romans are really strict. They're a very severe people. Yeah. I um, get the impression. So around this time, Caipio died, and Cato, again having his weird brotherly th- love thing, uh, threw him this incredibly lavish funeral, and it was so lavish and so at odds with, like, his image that people actually, like, mocked him for it for the rest of his political career. Good! Uh, you know... Honestly, I, I, you could stuff my dead body in a garbage bag, throw me over the river, and I'd be like... I have flat out told my wife that if I died, I'd prefer, like... I know there's a place in Colorado where they'll, like, burn you open air like a Viking. And I've told her I'd prefer that, but if that's expensive, just, you know, whatever's the cheapest just way. Just donate my body to science. Yeah. I've told that, I've said that, and she was not in favor. Oh, really? Oh, wow. She wow. was like, I want something to, you know... Very essentially. Does she or, think? Does she think that science would send you back? Well, don't they like just send back like whatever's left? At I the have end? no idea how it works. Does that I really think, work that way? Yeah, I think it's like they use you, and then like Ew. after a certain point, whatever is left gets sent back, <laughs> or like <laughs> they, they, they cremate the remains. We, go. we or don't. We don't want. Well, I mean, we, we got all we can. Well, get out there's of actually. This. I plan on doing a whole episode on burial traditions. But oh, fun! It's actually oh, fun. illegal to consider a human body someone's property. So mm. there are really weird lines. You can't consider someone's body parts or a human body as property. Huh. Yeah. So technically, you don't own your own body, legally speaking. But again, that's a whole other topic that I'm going <laughs> to get into. Boy, don't I know it. <laughs> so he came back to Rome in 65 BCE <laughs> and um, was elected quaestor, which was like an assistant to a senior official. And um, Isn't that kind of a step up from Tribune on the ladder? Uh Kind of. The Tribune position, specifically Tribune of the Plebs, is a totally different thing. Okay. He'll hold that position, too, which gotcha. is a really weird thing to think of, given his political loyalties. Right. Um, but basically, what he had to do was he just had to supervise the Treasury. So put, like, the Stoic who, you know, is sitting there, like, shoes off a weak people and put him in charge of the Treasury. I'm sure nothing got funded. Oh, I'm sure that the Treasury did nothing but grow. Oh, yeah. Um, Apparently, he took care to study the laws necessary for the position because he's a giant law nerd. Yeah. Uh, Plutarch implies that wasn't the norm, and he actually went back and charged previous uh, quaestors for corruption. Jeez, what a fucking narc. He's, uh, so, he's just the worst. You know that he... And every, literally, here's the thing. Everyone else was corrupt. He was the only non-corrupt person. And so I, he's hold... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, and I want to, like, laud him for that. Yes. But you know that at parties, he was like, um, actually, in section 4, subsection B, subsection A2, it says that the law really states that you should make roads this length. Yes, like, he he's did it, actually that person. He really is, and he did it not to be a good guy, so much as to be... Smarter than everyone else. I, don't I have know. never I think been just him. so attracted to you than I am. Ew. Right now. Oh, uh, no. You have... You're not allowed to have a Cato fetish. That won't work out for anyone. Um. So anyway, now there was kind of one kind of important thing. Uh, him going after these people, these previous quaestors, uh, is kind of... These were all men who had gotten the position and who had been paid 
by Sulla for the prescriptions. The prescriptions, if you don't know, was where Sulla was looking around like, well, I just took Rome, I need money. And he just started writing down the names of people who had expensive property, named them enemies of the state, and they would be killed, and their property would be seized by the state. He did 2,000 people by name. He picked them all. Oh, wow. Cato, Sola's terrifying. Big yikes. But basically, by Cato prosecuting these people, this was kind of seen as a de facto prosecution of Sulla. And because of that, he actually ended his term as a quaestor pretty popular. I don't like Sulla, so I don't know. It's a bad guy versus bad guy story there, I guess. Um, a bad guy versus an actual terrifying monster story. Yes. Um, so anyway, Cato's political career, he kind of allied himself with the Optimates, which were the conservative aristocratic faction within the Senate. And they frequently tried to cast themselves as defenders of the old ways of the Republic. Their opponents are the Populares, who are these kind of we help the urban poor. We're willing to change the republic. Reality is, I think most of them are people who are just using that as a way to get power. Yeah, they were they were trying to roil up the support of the common man. Yes. But in reality, they weren't actually super defensive of their Not rights. many. There's a few that I think did more than pay lip service to it. Sure. Like, I think the two Gracchi brothers kind of fit into that. The problem is you just don't know. And unfortunately, reading ancient history has made me a doubting curmudgeon about everything. Everything I read now, I'm just like, you don't know! <laughs> I really like the word curmudgeon. Curmudgeon's a good one. Um, That's awesome. So anyway, in 63 BCE, he was elected a tribune of the plebs. And here's where we get to my first big beef with Cato. Uh, he plays a big part in the Catiline Conspiracy. Fun. Yes, so... Uh, the Catiline Conspiracy involves a man named Lucius Sergius Catalina. From here on, we will refer to him as Catiline. Uh, Catiline was a patrician and an aristocrat. He served in the Third Servile War against Spartacus alongside Cato. His region also inspired a dressing much later that was the staple of my family's salads. Cool, thank you for that. That really helped the story. <laughs> Back to what you were saying, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> Do we ever interrupt each other with things that are relevant to the story? I'm just saying Catalina dressing is underrated, and I think it deserves a place on everyone's table. No, I've actually never tried it. What is it? Catalina? Back to the story. Um, <laughs> so Catalina ran twice for console. He was unsuccessful both times, and during the... <laughs> No, Sorry, I'm looking this up. Catalina dressing. Him. Okay, we're going to do this, huh? This is, yeah. this is what we're doing. <laughs> So aggressive, so, um, he had the grumpy face on. Yeah. Named after... It's actually the, really fun because, audience, you can't see this, but Michael's Catalina. eye is, like, twitching with rage right now because we conspiracy. don't know what Catalina... Oh, my... Conspiracy? <laughs> Jesus. Wait, are you looking at the Catalan conspiracy? I'm gonna go over that. Where do salad dressings get their names? That's what I'm looking at. Are we really doing this? Is this going to be the detour of the episode? Oh, it says that it's missing the term conspiracy in this episode. Yes, excellent. Um, <laughs> Good. So during the latter of these two runs, uh, Catiline really courted the popularist vote by proposing this radical cancellation of debts. Uh, now what that would really do was, in essence, it would just mean that the people who had originally lo uh, loaned that money and who are owed that money 
they would be the ones who had to foot the bill. So it wasn't really a cancellation of debts, just a switching of the debts. This did not endear him to fellow aristocrats who had a long history of killing popularities reformers. Fun. Oh, the Roman politics of the late Republic is nuts. I mean, Tiberius Gracchus, who I mentioned earlier. Um, that name. Tiberius Gracchus. It's a pretty good name. Holy shit. Um, he was Love killed it. by the Senate, who went um. into the Senate chamber. They weren't allowed to carry weapons. So they broke tables and chairs inside the Senate and beat him to death with <laughs> Holy them. shit! It was intense. I'd also like to say that Catalina dressing is recommended for a really great taco salad. Thank you. No, okay, what? Go on. Okay. <laughs> I'll, um, I'll deal with this later. <laughs> so also that second election, by the way, Catiline ran against Cicero. And this is important because with Catiline, our primary sources are Cicero. That is where we get all of our information. Cicero's biased against him. He accused Catiline of sleeping with a Vestal Virgin, which was whoa. a capital offense. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It would be like sleeping with a priestess, except if you do it, both you and the priestess die. So well, that's imagine, imagine, for reference, that... I don't want to imagine. Imagine that the Pope is a woman... And if you have sex with the Pope, both of you get publicly killed. Yes. It's pretty intense. Um, by the way, apparently the Vestal Virgin in question was a half-sister of, Cicero, of Cicero's wife. So if that's true, another reason why Cicero doesn't like him, Catiline was further accused of murdering his wife and his son so he could marry someone else. The he list of offenses against him is... Really staggering. But again, we get them all from Cicero. Well, it's true, but other records... I mean, there, it's, Cicero isn't the sole source on Catiline. But he's the primary source from the time. He absolutely is. And granted, you're right, there are probably other sources that didn't come down to us that, you know, other later writers did have access to. Right. Um, here's my thoughts. Catiline probably wasn't a great guy because, in my opinion, almost no Romans were. I think they're all a flock of bastards. It was kind of built into Ooh. the definition of being a good Roman was to be a bad guy. Honestly, yes. Yeah. Um, flock of bastards. It's a great band name, by the way. It's pretty good. Um, but anyway, it's worth remembering the personal biases of the people who wrote about him. Right. I mean, to give you an idea, Catiline had such a public feud with Cicero during their election that on election day, Cicero wore a concealed breastplate because he thought either Catiline himself or one of his supporters would try to stab him. Woo! Like, Roman politics are intense. Oh, yeah. Um, Good God. But anyway, so Catiline is defeated both times he runs for consul. Supposedly, basically everything I'm going to say about this conspiracy from here on out is going to be prefaced with supposedly. Having said that, there is to some degree conspiracy. We'll get into it. Supposedly, he begins a conspiracy to overthrow the Republic after his second defeat. He courts the favor of other politicians who were malcontented, the urban poor, and many of Sulla's veterans who weren't doing great economically at this time. The plan, grossly oversimplified, was basically Catiline and his supporters would form an army in secret... Uh, his supporters would murder select members of the Senate who would oppose them, and then they would bring that army in and essentially overthrow the Republic or more likely mold it into the image that they wanted. Uh, Cicero finds out about the conspiracy, convenes the Senate with Catiline in attendance as a member of the Senate, 
and denounced him and this entire plan in front of the Senate. To his face. To his face. So imagine, like, I don't know, your office is like, hey, everyone, we're doing a meeting, you know, and they call in everyone in the office. They're like, oh, hey, guys, what's going on? Do we have cake in the conference room? Is that someone's birthday? I love birthday cake. And then they, like, call you forward and proceed to badmouth you in front of everyone. (sighs) So um, nightmare. So Catiline protested. But he left Rome uh, per Cicero's demands, and he fled to his army in hiding. Uh, that army existed. That's how we know that this isn't all a story. Right. That army didn't appear out of nowhere. Catiline was up to something. The bigger issue is just what all was going on. So with Catiline gone, some of the conspirators continued with the plans. Uh, they get caught uh, basically with proof. And again, the proof is very suspect. And Cicero demands that the Senate convene immediately, and they vote to have these men all sentenced to death without a trial. Now, one of the theories that's presented is that Cicero amped up these charges because it would give him a much stronger political bid. Yes. If Cicero pulls this off, let's say that he's engineering some of this and he pulls it off. He gets hailed as the second founder of the Republic, which is exactly what happened. Right. I mean, what's the term... uh, I can't remember to whose benefit. It's actually a Cicero term. Yeah. Uh, qui bono? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Who, who benefits from this? Exactly. Who benefits from this? In this case, it's Cicero, it's Cicero. and the Optimate faction, including Cato. Right. So anyway, the Senate goes through. They all vote on killing these men. And it's yes. Vote for yes. Vote for yes. And finally, one man stands up and says, I don't think we should kill him. I think this is illegal. We should hold these men in trial. And we will judge them once cooler heads are prevailing. That man is Julius Caesar, who I'm going to use the more modern pronunciation just for ease. And basically, Caesar protests on the grounds that at this time, it was illegal. How old was Caesar at this point? He was in his mid-20s, maybe? I don't know if he was that young. Yeah. I I would say 30s. Uh, I, re- I really don't know. Yeah. I would say late 20s to late 30s. Okay, somewhere in there. Yeah. But this like is interesting for Caesar to propose such a, a, a moderate term to the end of a sentence. Yes. But I guess, I mean, it really sets him up to be seen as a cooler head among the Senate. Yeah. And I mean, frankly, also, Catiline was a, fu- a favorite with the populares. He's courting the populare vote. So Caesar, as always, is courting power over yes. popularity. Well, we'll get to that because there's a bit in the story where we see exactly who Caesar is. But we'll get to that later. Cato stands up and he argues against Caesar. He basically says that an example has to be made out of these men to keep others from engaging in treason. So here's my problem. Mr. Oh, this is the law and the law is the law and we cannot change the law makes an exception when it benefits him and his side. Right. Basically, it's my opinion that if these guys had been optimates opposing people who Cato didn't like... I think he would have flipped his shit over this. Oh, yeah. Like, if, if Cicero... Let's switch it and say Cicero is the one accused of engaging in a conspiracy to overthrow a populare uh, consul. Yeah. And they were brought in, they were voting to kill these optimates. I think Cato would have flipped out. He would have absolutely lost it. Yes. He would have pulled out all of the stops to show exactly how much he knew about Roman law. Yes. Like an insufferable dweeb. Because he is an insufferable dweeb. It really is all he is. Um, Anyway, so long story short, the Catalan conspiracy gets crushed. Catalan only has like 3,000 men. They get killed. Um, 
Cicero and the other Optimates get treated as heroes for killing the bestial Catiline, and the Optimates, as a whole, get a big feather in their cap. Well, after all, they, for them. Yes, after all, they're the they're the second founders of the Republic. They save the Republic from another Sulla. Um, it's worth mentioning though that the people in Rome didn't seem to seem to agree with Cicero and Cato. Uh, they mourned very publicly for Catiline. Did they really? They came out in force. His grave had like. I, it wasn't offerings. I mean, essentially the Roman equivalent of, like, flowers left on it. Yeah. Like, for years after his death. Yeah. He was an intensely popular figure at the lower classes. Because so, it was a miscarriage of justice, if nothing else. And also, I mean, frankly, if Catiline had gotten in, he would have done a lot of things that would have helped them. Right. But anyway, um, by the way, there's a great story about this, and I want to talk about this. So, after... Or, in the middle of the Catiline conspiracy, shortly thereafter, somewhere around there, Cato's delivering a speech in the Roman Senate, and he's essentially implying that Julius Caesar is to some degree involved with the conspiracy. And as he's delivering this speech, someone comes up and he hands Julius Caesar a letter, and Caesar starts reading it. And Cato sees him reading it and basically says something to him like, Look, there he is. He's communicating with the other conspirators now. Julius Caesar, if you have nothing to hide, bring that letter here to me immediately. So Julius Caesar goes up and he hands Cato the letter, and Cato begins to read it, and it's a very graphic love letter written to Caesar by Cato's sister. <laughs> Suck it, bitch! Oh Michael, my god! Can you imagine finding your sister's sex? <laughs> <laughs> And furthermore, can I imagine finding my underage <laughs> child sister? She's not underage. She's eighteen. Child sister. <laughs> I was gonna say I would have made that joke if she was like I was sure she was eighteen. I would have made that joke. No, otherwise. because every year he's like every year on her birthday he's like happy sixth birthday. <laughs> I will have you know that for her gra- she graduated from high school and for her graduation I gave her a card and on the card was it a kindergarten graduation card? No, it was a f- graduation card that said happy eighteenth birthday and graduation from high school and she cried a little bit because it was me acknowledging her as an adult and because. She is now. And no, I don't want to know anything about any of that. Okay, so anyway, Michael, right? So imagine you get a hold of that phone, you get to read those messages. <laughs> but now imagine reading it in front of all of your friends and peers. <gasps> Did he read it out loud? I bet he started. I bet he, he started, like, yeah. I bet he, he got like, to the bit where it's I like. I want you to lick my. <laughs> Once you do that thing with your tongue that I like. <laughs> Meanwhile, Julius Caesar's leaning back in his chair with his feet up on the you desk. Know, you know he was. Yeah. Like, based on Julius C- was like, fine, fuck a reader. I don't care. I, I'm sure he was smiling as he handed Kato the letter. Like, you want to see it? Okay, sure. Well, no, maybe he got through the whole letter and then looked at He was like, signed, Kato. God, I can't think of anyone in history more who I want to bang his sister than Cato just because I fucking hate that guy. Here, of, here's the other spite. thing. You don't know but what here, here's, like. here's honestly the thing about Cato. Um, I bet despite that, like, Cato goes on to hate Julius Caesar. Yeah. And he will for the rest of his life. I think Julius Caesar flouting the law offended Cato more than the idea of Caesar fucking Cato's sister. Yeah, because... I bet that bothered him so much more than knowing that his sister is Goringa Caesar. Because Cato thought of himself as a defender of the law, 
and not a defender of any person. He didn't give a fuck about people. Yeah. He's just the worst. He is the worst. So anyway, uh, we're going to fast forward a few years to my next big beef with Kato. Uh, his part in creating the Triumvirate. Uh, really quick, the Triumvirate is a political alliance between uh, Caesar, Pompey the Great, and Crassus. Crassus, the Pom richest man in Rome. Pompey the Great? Pompey yes, Pompey's the Magnus. Great. Uh, he is probably... He sounds like a Pomeranian. He is one of the coolest people in all of world history. Again, assume that almost everyone we mentioned this episode is going to get an episode at some point. Oh, Poppy's yeah. going to get one. Caesar's going to get one. Sulla's going to get one. I don't think Caesar's famous enough to use him. Julius Caesar? Julius Caesar. Caesar, the man who we're still reading about 2,000 years later. Yeah, no, not, Caesar, not important at all. the one who inspired the word king. Uh, the guy who even in the... Early 1900s, the Russian Tsar and the German Kaiser, their titles were still based off of Caesar. The one who gets a direct reference in the Disney movie Aladdin. I don't know. Anyway, um, so, <laughs> so it is my opinion that Cato is based on the one who forced, not forces, he is the one who, his actions create the triumvirate, or at least force Pompey into it. Really? That's my opinion. We'll get into wow. it. Wow. Okay, so. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. If, you, if you guys want just a quick, accurate picture of what the Triumvirate is, it's basically every political cartoon you've ever seen about backroom political dealing. Political? Political. Backroom political dealing. <laughs> We're assholes. <laughs> I don't always speak super well, which is why I we like no you guys. We no speak good some days. No, that's Claude why... Clan's that's Clyde. why. That's why me edit podcast. <laughs> uh, we talk pretty one day. Yeah. Which is a great book. As I love David that book. I was going to say, thanks, David Sedaris. Uh, if you want to understand where my humor comes from, read the David Sedaris books. Uh, but uh, the triumvirate is really just like every political cartoon you've ever seen about backroom politics... That's what the triumvirate actually it is, was. It is the three strongest, most powerful men in Rome getting together and saying, hey, if we work together, we can get anything we could want. That is exactly what it is. Right. Because it is Pompey the Great, probably, if not the richest man in Rome, then definitely the second richest. Oh, this, oh no, 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 the second richest. I don't know. After, after his third triumph his campaign out east, he is at least rivaling Crassus. I think, okay, but let's let's not take credit away from yeah. the second person, you have Pompey the Great and Crassus, who is definitely the richest Who man. is literally Scrooge McDuck, the historical so, person. So to give you an idea about Crassus really quick, um, Crassus would do a really fun thing where he hired a bunch of slaves and turned them into his own personal fire brigade. And when a fire broke out in Rome, which it inevitably did... He would go to the people whose houses were about to be burned down and say, sell me this property real quick, because if it burns down, you're going to get nothing. If you sell to me, you'll at least get something. They would sell to him. Then he would immediately bring in his own fire brigade and put out the fire. Crassus is a bastard. But if they didn't sell to him... He let it burn. He would have his servants stand there with buckets of water and watch it burn to the ground. Crassus is a bastard. He is. What a and little then, motherfucker! And then he would offer them nothing to take their land until it got turned over to the state, and then he would buy it for dirt off of the state. Yeah. 
Uh, You're a little motherfucker. So here's the great thing about the Triumvirate. Those two are the most powerful figures in it initially. Right. Pompey the Great and Crassus. But they hate each other. They can't stand each other. Because Crassus has the wealth that Pompey never could really achieve. And Pompey has all of the fame and glory that Crassus Crassus always wanted. Right. Yes. Um, So Caesar, brilliantly, because Caesar is, frankly, the consummate politician... He made himself the most important figure in the Triumvirate by being the peacemaker between the two of them. So anyway, um, going back to this, so Cato is the kind of guy who holds everyone to his standard. So when Pompey the Great comes back to Rome in 61 BCE from his campaigns out east, uh, he's awarded his third triumph. A triumph is this giant parade that you're allowed to, basically the Senate has to vote to give it to you. It is a once-in-a-lifetime event for most Romans. Pompey got three. It is the highest honor you could yes. ever hope in to achieve. Roman society, it is the one thing you want. You want a triumph, and most people never got it. In the way that we today kind of idolize being a rock star on stage. But it's more than that. Literally, if you're having a triumph, a slave would ride in the chariot with you and have to whisper in your ears, remember, you're not a god. You're not a god. That's written into the code. Yes, that is a part of it. But you get to show off all the like kings you captured, the barbarian chieftains you defeated and captured. You get to parade your loot. At least a select part of your army gets to march through the city. You ride in a chariot painted red like the god Mars. It's awesome. Like I mean, It is a huge deal. It's everything you would ever want painted onto the side of a van. Yes. With your name on it. So anyway, um, so Pompey gets back. And he's hope he's awarded his triumph, and he decides that he wants to make a, a, his second run for the consulship. So when Pompey the Great comes back to Rome in 61 BCE, he's awarded his third triumph, which is a huge deal. Um, we Unachieved talk- by like the vast majority of yes, all Roman history. It is everything a Roman wants. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Um, and he's hoping to make his second run for the consulship. So he asks the Senate to postpone the consular elections until after his triumph, because he wants to have his cake and eat it too. I mean, that's kind of a big deal. He has gotten two triumphs in his life, and his third one is by far his most spectacular. Frankly, I think it's the greatest in the history of the Republic, because I don't count Caesar's last one. Interesting. It's not legitimate, hmm. in my opinion. Okay. Um, so the Senate seems okay with this, until Cato stood up and opposed it, and basically forced Pompey to choose between the two. Um, actually, according to regulation, you really can't do thing, that. But here's the thing. He didn't even have law to get, the, like, behind him. This was him literally going, like, I think Pompey's getting too full of himself. I'm going to cut him down to size. Something really interesting for Cato to say. Yeah. Um, but wait, he keeps acting like a douche. But so wait, there's more. It li- literally, it's that. So Cato, or not Cato, geez. Uh, Pompey chooses the triumph because honestly, Pompey is the best I can describe him is he comes across at this point in his life as like an adoration junkie. He just really wants the approval of the Senate. But the problem is because of how Roman politics are, every time he succeeds, he makes the people of the Senate angrier at him because a, he's cutting into their fame and power. It's really like he's the front man of like a really popular rock band. I mean, that's kind of the he persona has like the, he, has like this, has. he has this like puppy-like need for adoration. So he'll go and he'll like kill a bunch of pirates and he'll come back to the Senate like, see, do you guys like me now? Do you like me now, father? Yeah, honestly, it's that. And then, but because he did such a good job at it, the Senate's like, because they're all jealous of him. Yeah. 
It's the and, worst thing. He's and, trying to impress the people that hate being And impressed. really quick, let's not be too sympathetic to Pompey. He's an asshole. His nickname when he was younger and he worked for Sulla was... I can't remember the uh, Latin uh, nickname, but it translated to Teenage Butcher. And he was a bastard, too. I mean, he was one of... I think I feel safe saying this. One of the most narcissistic people in recorded Roman history. In recorded Roman history. And narcissism runs through Rome like shit through a goose. Yep. <laughs> um, anyway. So, anyway. So, Pompey asks for that. He gets denied it. He chooses the triumph. After this, he goes to the Senate. And he asks for the Senate to provide land to his veterans. At this point, this is basically formality. If you're a Roman soldier, uh, you serve... If everything goes well and your general wins battles, he gets land, and then the Senate gives you some of that land basically as a retirement bonus. You can either go there and settle it and help Romanize a new province, or you can sell that land and you get a hefty bit of money. Right. Um, it's your pension for having served in the military. Legitimately, it's your pension. Right. Um, and at this point, it's a formality to ask for this. Cato opposed it. What Cato, a dick. Oppo- Cato opposed it, and he kept it from happening. Because it, he, f- so he fucked all of just the normal he only, everyday he not Jews. Only, he not only fucked Pompey, which whatever. If you want to fuck Pompey, I'm not going to complain too much. It's shitty, but whatever. Right. But these are people who have spent years of their life, literally just serving their time. Yes. Kind of with the idea of like, hey, we get some booty from fighting, and then at the end of this, we get some land. Right. I mean, literally, that's it. There's a whole thing to it. Some booty. Unfortunately, literally true because Roman soldiers, they'd like to do the rape. <laughs> Famously. <laughs> um, we laugh because we're monsters, but no, they're very horrifying. We accounts. laugh because we're trying desperately not to cry at the actual implications of what Roman military tactics were like in the wake of a victory. Um, we about- laugh because I have trauma. Oh, sorry. Um, read about the sack of Cremona, if you want a good example of Romans oh, sacking a city. Because that God. was a Roman city sacked by Romans. Right, this is what they did to their own, not even foreigners. Yes. So anyway, um, in my opinion, that is what drives Pompey to the triumvirate. Because at this point, Pompey has soldiers who want land. And by the way, here's the thing that pisses me off about that too. It's a really shitty plan. Denying those men, because those Roman soldiers, they're going they're going to see that Pompey went and asked for the land. They're not going to blame Pompey. Right. They're going to blame the people who are denying them their land. Well, so someone... the only legitimate justification you can have for doing this, like cutting down Pompey's power base, it's not legitimate because they're not going to blame Pompey. Well, as someone that claims, as Cato does... To be the preeminent lawmaster, to be the preeminent politician, this is such a short-term, small-minded way of looking at the moment. It's just yes. him being unparalleledly jealous of Pompey's accomplishments. I honestly, I don't even think it was jealousy. I really think that um, he is just. I think he holds everyone to the same standard he holds himself. Yeah. And because of that, he is just, I don't know, it's, it's a whole thing. So anyway, in 59 BCE, uh, the triumvirate has been formed. Caesar comes back from Spain, his first major governorship, and he's been, the Senate's awarded him a triumph as well. 
And so he, Caesar approaches the Senate. He is a general under arms, which means he can't enter the city. He wants to run for his consulship. Right. He can't run as long as he's under arms. So he asks for the Senate to... Um, he basically wants to run in absentia. Now, to be clear, just really quickly, to be consul is kind of like running... I guess the closest equivalent would be running for the presidency, where yes. you're, you're it's in charge. You are one of two people who are in charge for a full year. And again, powers divide up between the Senate and the two consuls. The two consuls are supposed to provide a check and balance on each other. It's basically, yeah, it's like the presidency, but weird. Right. It's like, you know, if in 2000 or whatever, both George W. and Al Gore won and had to be president simultaneously. Yeah. And kind of had equal authority, including over each other. Right. Um, so but, he wants to get a triumph and run yes. for this position. And this is his first triumph. Most Romans can only realistically expect one. Oh, most Romans can't expect any. A triumph is the highest honor yes. you can get. And Caesar's basically asking for both. Right. Um, so he asks for this. And Cato stood up. And he started talking. And he started talking. And he kept talking. And he talked some more. And then he kept talking. Did he filibuster? He filibustered. Oh, what a bitch! And he kept talking. And finally, Caesar realized what was happening. And he leaves the city. And disbands his army. And gives up having a triumph, possibly the only one he would have in his entire life, and he goes in to run for the consulship, an office that lasts for only one year. This is everything you need to know about Caesar right oh my there. God. Caesar always chose power. Every single time. And honestly, it's fascinating. Because Caesar was smart enough to look at this and realize, oh, if I take power, everything else will come with that. The adulation, the prestige, all of that, the wealth... That'll follow if I he saw power. where He saw where it derived from. Yes. Caesar is a fascinating character, but anyway. Um, so also a monster. Yes, very much a monster. Um, so Caesar becomes consul. He tries to get Pompey's veterans to their land, and Cato opposed it with another filibuster attempt. Oh my god, he just literally won't shut up. Yeah, and Caesar realizes what he's doing, so he makes the bad choice of having Cato forcibly removed from the Senate House. And as he's doing this, as they're literally dragging Cato out, Cato keeps talking because he's playing it up and he knows how bad this makes Caesar look. In fact, there's a great thing where, like, as they're dragging Cato out, all these other people start getting up and leaving. And Caesar, frankly, his mask kind of slips and he yells at someone, where are you going? And that person says, I'd rather be in jail with Cato than here with you. Damn. Which, that's, whole oh, fuck. Oh. That's got a bite. But think about what that says about Cato, that that's like the insult you yeah, give. but that's the thing. Like, Cato isn't a super high person in Roman politics or anything like that, but he commands this respect because of his, you know, oh, look at me, I'm so stoic. Fuck, I hate him. He's oh, the he's worst. He's just the he's biggest. He's insufferable. Ugh. So I see, almost hate him worse because he makes me almost side with Caesar in this argument. Yeah, that's the problem. I like Caesar more, and I shouldn't, because right. Caesar's a monster. I mean, Cato but clearly stands for the better position here. Better in air quotes. The Roman Republic's not good. It's, it's already, oligarchic. No, it's already completely fucked. Yes. But anyway, so Caesar backs down, and then he bypasses the Senate, takes the law directly to the people, and he gets it passed, which must have really chapped Cato's ass, because he came out and tried to publicly oppose it, 
And the crowd responded by driving him away by throwing literally trash and shit at him. <laughs> it was Cato, the other consul, and a few of Cato's like friends. And they come out and try to oppose this law, basically going, oh, Caesar's a demagogue. He's trying to take power, which he is. Get the poo! Yes, and literally people just start throwing shit at him like a bunch of monkeys. Awesome. And Their own it, shit? I would assume yeah. so. They shed, like, chamber pots, essentially. Oh, man. Actually, I, I think we should do an episode in the future on what it's like to be just a <laughs> Roman citizen, just a regular Roman peasant at some point. It would actually be kind I of already, fun, just life in ancient Rome. Oh, I've got some sources for it, too. I already have enough depression. I don't need to do an episode on that. Oh, man. No, I, mean, I don't know. Ro- life in Rome, it doesn't sound fun. If but you, it's it's weirdly modern. Romans are like Americans, and that sounds very weird well, to say. There's a class on it. I would I'll have to find it. And see if I can send it to you. It's really good. Uh, if you uh, if you aren't poor, it's great. Yes. If you are poor, Brittany, it'll make you feel a lot better about whatever situation you're in. Because holy shit. Yeah, we could do an episode on the life of medieval peasants because. Oh God, what was there's a book where medieval peasants wrote about like what they envisioned heaven as, and it's like uh, worse than a modern third world country now. Yeah, and that was their it's unbelievable, like, unachievable yeah. ideal. Yeah, they're like Aww. one day we could be like a worse version of Somalia. Yeah. <laughs> we believe that in heaven you get meat once every month. <laughs> I don't want to laugh because it's really sad. Oh, it's unbelievable. It's really fucked. Oh. Um. So anyway, so Cato will oppose the triumvirate basically for the rest of the existence of the triumvirate until Crassus goes and gets himself killed in Syria like an idiot. And we'll talk about that eventually. Oh, what a time. And basically at this point, everything falls apart. The entire triumvirate is built on the three of them working together. Crassus dies. Um, Pompey, who is married, by the way, to Caesar's daughter. And to put that into perspective, Pompey's like, what? Five years older than Caesar? Something like that. Something like that. He marries uh, Caesar's daughter. So Hollywood marriages, man. The sad thing is they seem to really genuinely love each other. Like, I don't want to feel you bad know what? for Pompey. No, good for them. No, I don't want to feel... He was actually made fun of for how much he loved his wife. Oh, Pompey no, honestly, loves somebody. No, that's legitimately it. People right, would no. like, like see Pompey walk by and be like, look at him, he's so in love with his wife, he's not cheating on her or anything. That's what a what they, rube. That's yeah. what they like to call pussy whipped. Yeah, I mean, that is honestly how they viewed it, but like, sad. And Aww. apparently Pompey was genuinely heartbroken. Caesar tried to arrange a marriage to another daughter or something, Pompey refused. Well, I mean, you have to keep in mind that like what we think of today as jock culture is, is Rome. Is directly derived from Rome. Modern jock culture is a super watered down version of Rome. Yeah, these guys were intense. Yeah. But anyway, so after the triumvirate falls apart, Cato pushes Pompey to join with the Senate. At this point, Caesar's been giving himself positions through the triumvirate to avoid being prosecuted. As long as you worked for the Roman government, you were free from prosecution. The second you left that position, uh, your enemies could destroy you in the courts. And that's what Cato is desperately hoping to do to Caesar. Because he's a little bitch. Yes, because basically he sees Caesar as someone who is flouting the laws of the Republic, and you have to make an example of Caesar to keep anyone else from doing that. Also, he's not Cato's friend. Yes, awesome. Yeah. Actually, I hate to say it, credit where it's due, I think Cato, if he saw one of his friends acting in a way that he thought was against the Republic, I think Cato would go after him. I think Cato would go after him as long as his own public image would benefit from it. I don't know. 
here's there's one thing with Cato, and it's not all talk, and we'll get to that when he dies. All right. So basically, they there's this kind of weird back and forth between the Senate and Caesar, where the Senate's trying to get Caesar to stand down and basically abandon or leave his post so they can bring him back to Rome and crucify him in the courts. And Caesar doesn't want to do that, but he also doesn't want to. We'll get to this in a bit. Like, whether Caesar actually wanted to take power is kind of forced into it. But Caesar keeps trying to find compromises, and eventually he offers something that would uh, avoid war, limit his own power considerably, and protect himself from prosecution. Wow. So essentially he's like, I want to be governor of this one province, you know, with no soldiers, and I'm allowed to govern my province in Rome. So essentially, you can't prosecute me, but I have no army. You have nothing to fear from me. But he found he found the safety valve. Yes, theoretically, this is and actually, apparently, the Senate was on the verge of accepting this until the Cato faction stepped in and uh, re- basically refused to accept this compromise. And so Caesar, put in the corner, takes his legions from Gaul, crosses the Rubicon, and starts the civil war. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So you're claiming that Cato is directly responsible for Caesar crossing the Rubicon? I would say Cato's faction. Here's the thing. I think Cato, or correction, I think Caesar is ambitious enough to where he would maybe do something eventually anyway. I think Cato's responsible for it happening the way it did. But anyway. He was the catalyst. Yes. So the problem is Cato's entire political strategy is built around the idea of... I will cast myself as the defender of the Republic, and thus if you oppose me, you oppose the Republic. Right. And it's a great idea if the other person basically doesn't hit a point where they're willing to, like, all right, fuck it, I'll just march. Yeah. And the problem is Caesar is willing to march. Caesar finds the option. Yes. Okay, so anyway, um, this isn't a show about the Civil War. Yeah. So we're not going to talk too much about it. We could do a series of episodes. We could do on a that. ton of stuff on the Civil War. Dan Carlin spent like six hours on the Civil War. Mike Duncan spent an incredible amount of time. Yes. The point is, um, it's a huge topic, and we're not qualified to do it yet. No, and other people have done an amazing job on it, and you should go check them out. You should. So anyway, um, we'll cut through the Civil War a bit. We'll get let's get to where Cato ends his life. Oh, fun. So, yeah. Caesar wins the Battle of Utica in um, Africa, and he's approaching the place where Cato is residing. And according to Plutarch, Cato first tries to kill himself with a sword, but he wasn't able to do it completely. His servants heard him, like, trying to do Failing. it. Failing. Yes. And they interrupt him and patch him up. I hate Cato, but I'm going to have to give him credit here. I don't think he was a bitch in this. I think he literally just couldn't, like, do it. He was just sitting like... <laughs> um. Anyway... So his servants come in, they patch him up, they take away his sword, they make him promise he won't do anything to himself. And he says, yes, yes, I'm all right. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to quote this next bit from Plutarch verbatim because, holy shit, it is intense. Okay. Quote, Cato did not immediately die of the wound, but struggling, fell off the bed, and throwing down a little mathematical table that stood by, made such noise that the servants hearing it cried out. And immediately his sons and all his friends came into the chamber, where, seeing him lie welting in his own blood, a great part of his bowels out of his body, <gasps> but oh. himself still alive and able to look at them, they all stood in horror. This guy pulled his fucking guts out? The physician went to him and would have put his bowels, which were not pierced, and sewed up the wound, but Cato, recovering himself and understanding the intention, thrust away the physician 
plucked out his own bowels and tearing open the wound immediately expired. Shit! He ripped open his sword wound from earlier and ripped out his own intestines until he died by hand with no anesthesia. Jesus. And he did it to spite Caesar. What a fucking metal <laughs> way to go. But here's the thing. Oh. Yeah, I can say a lot about Caesar, or not Caesar, Cato. I'm going to give him credit where it's due. He walked the walk. I mean, the guy fucking did it. He was such a stubborn prick that he literally ripped out his own guts rather than let Caesar capture him and pardon him. Oh my god! Because Caesar wanted to do that. He yeah. wanted to be able to like go back to Rome and say, "Look, I pardoned Cato, my greatest foe." And and oh god, that's fucking metal. And Cato said, "I would literally rip my own guts I would, out." Yes, and he does it with like. Could you imagine him, like him sitting in his room, fucking clawing away his bandages like some kind of like rat trapped in a trap? Yeah. Like, you know how, like, a fox will nibble off, or, like, gnaw off its own arm if it's right. caught? He does that. He fucking, he like, that tears, at his, tears at his bandages with his bare hands like a fucking animal. Because and then despite starts, all of his rage, he's still a rat in a cage. That he most certainly is. I think he would have related strongly to those lyrics you just made up, Brittany. <laughs> wow. Oh, the other thing that annoys me, by the way, about the Civil War is Cato basically starts the whole thing. And then after it's, not starts, but, you know, he's... Very much responsible for it starting. Right. And then after it starts, he walks around every day dressed in mourning clothes. For basically, like Yeah, basically. No, because like, oh, everyone who dies is a Roman soldier and I mourn for all Romans. It's like, just fucking accept the compromise and find a way to get Caesar later. Seriously. Like, that's really what it is. It, ugh. So, I mean, yeah. That's it. Basically, Cato refuses all attempts to compromise after the triumvirate is destroyed he basically puts Caesar into a situation where marching on the Senate is more and more acceptable until finally that's all Caesar's like, it's either that or I let myself get ruined. It's the only option he has left, almost. For, for Caesar, yes. Yeah. Because Caesar, I don't think, could accept defeat, essentially. Polit political obscurity. Yes. So by being in inflexible in a political world that relied on flexibility and fluidity... Cato, personally, by the example he provided to others, made peaceful compromise impossible. Uh, basically, he bluffed while gambling with the entire Republic, and he lost. Ugh. So, um, yeah, there you go. That's Cato the Younger. Cato the Younger. The fucking insufferable prick. What an unmitigated asshole. Yeah, I can't stand him. And I'm sure other people will disagree with him. A lot of this is my thoughts... So take it for what it's worth, you know, the ramblings of a partially educated drunk man. Well, and we've talked about this. I mean, before you did the episode, we talked about, hey, you sent me, you know, you told me I want to do an episode on Cater the Younger. And my first response was, fuck that guy. Yeah, he's the worst. So this is really just the opinions of two people that are very mildly educated in Roman history mm -hmm. and Brittany, who was here to witness it. I like to color, and I do it really good inside the lines. Guys, Brittany's still here. Hi. <laughs> I like to color. God, that's, you sound like a character from a drama movie, and they find out, like, your daughter's still alive. She was lobotomized and put into this thing. And then she's like, 
Hello, are you my friend? I'd like to color. Will you color with me? And then that person starts crying you know, because they realize they'll never get that person back. There's really nothing like a podcast in which two men insult the intelligence of a woman on history. I'm not insulting her intelligence. I'm making fun of the, no, I like no, to no. color. I'm, no. just, I'm insulting my own intelligence and he's agreeing. Oh my gosh. Well, I don't think that that's necessarily necessary. Brittany, I think you are a rose. Necessarily necessary. That's correct. Brittany, I think you're a rose in a field of daisies. <laughs> okay so is um is that is there anything else we want to say yeah i think we're good um so thank you everybody for listening uh if you want more episodes you can find us at drunk thunks uh and you can also find us if you want to talk more about if you have opinions on cato the younger if you have opinions on our translations of latin which at least not it's, great <laughs> Ooh, wow we're not good at it uh but if you have opinions on that you can find us on social media on facebook Twitter and Instagram at Drunk Thunks. And uh, if you have episode ideas or you have comments on things that we've said on this podcast, you can find us at drunkthunks at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, please do. The more you get back to us, the more we can make the show better. Um, Also, I want to apologize in advance. I'm trying to run the Twitter account, but I am not a tweeter. So I'm doing what I can here. Um, if you tweet at us, we will tweet at you back. And we'll do our best. <laughs> yeah, right. So just yeah. be nice. Yeah. Well, you know. And then um. Please. Yeah, please. <laughs> Some of us are very fragile emotionally, and oh we God. just really can't handle <laughs> criticism. <laughs> Thank you all so much for checking out the show. It really means a lot to us. Our goal is to keep improving and doing better but we really appreciate you guys taking the time to check us out yeah it means a lot to us this is us doing what we love and we're so happy to have you here with us so yeah so thank you all so much cheers everybody cheers have a great night bye i love you bye (laughs) goodbye are we we keeping this in by the way